0: Mind Over Millennial contains explicit content that may not be suitable for all listeners. All views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the creators of Mind Over Millennial. The creators are not licensed healthcare, finance, or life professionals, but we're happy to share our Google expertise with you. Listener discretion is advised. To another episode of Mind Over Millennial. My name's Lauren. My name is Toss. <laughs> okay, no. God damn it. <laughs> I was not prepared for Teletubby. you never prepared. I was. You're no. Never prepared. No, I,
1: I can't tell you ahead of time how I'm opening because you say like I say it different every time, so we we have to throw you off occasionally.
0: I think now you've just gotten to the point where you just enjoy making me laugh at the end. Oh, yeah
1: it's more fun that way we're supposed to be fucking comedy here man God, my okay. gosh tess how are you i'm actually really good it's boxing day i like boxing day better than christmas you can come for me i don't even care um <laughs> so yeah fuck it um we made it through christmas 2020 is almost over fuck yes yeah how are you lauren
0: uh, I am doing very well. I am uh, on the mend from getting COVID. My dad was very kind and uh, brought that home from visiting his elderly friends, because he's also elderly, uh, for Thanksgiving. So apparently he he was in the sharing mood and the household was filled with COVID over the holidays. <laughs> so we self-quarantined and uh, that's why we didn't have an episode last week But I am on the mend and everything is actually pretty good like I have never been so happy to be healthy in, that's awesome in a while yeah so I'm
1: so glad you're doing better because we were sending those texts back and forth I did not get to see your gorgeous face for like a week and a half and it made me see it um but I was getting those texts and I was like she don't sound good this this is not good like no. it's not good it's bueno." It way no.
0: It was not great. It was not great. And I also appreciate that you still call
1: me gorgeous. Even you time. are gorgeous. You were my original beautiful human unicorn. Oh. Like, I, I understand that that's, that's the name of or what we call the folks that listen to us. But you were the original.
0: I don't deserve it. I love you so much. Okay. So, speaking of all this love and everything that's going on. Um, but wait, I
1: have news. What's the news?
0: I have news. Okay,
1: um there's a new baby in the house. It's a fluffy baby. She's so cute. Yes. Okay. So my very good friend um is staying with me temporarily. He's a long haul trucker. So he has home time and resets and all that kind of stuff. Ooh. Um and so he's staying with me uh during his home time right now, during Christmas. And we happen to find a puppy today. Oh. And he has been wanting a puppy for the longest time. What and kind so- of puppy? It's a little blonde husky. Oh, and she has teeny tiny floppy ears and blue eyes, and she's so cute. And her name is Athena. Oh my so gosh, Athena! Athena will be spamming the Instagram page of Mind Over Millennial because she gets to stay with me until she's potty trained, <laughs> and she can like hold it for an extended period of time because she's going to be living in the truck with him. Um,
0: apparently, she's gonna live in the truck.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize that that was possible. But he said as long as he lets his company know, and he's willing to pay the cleaning fee, um, he can actually have a dog live with him in his cab. It's basically like a little studio apartment in there. So she'll get to ride shotgun on all of these long hauls. And that's going to be his little cuddle bug.
0: Fun. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So
1: he gets companionship. And I mean, I honestly think it's going to be a great life for her because she's going to be with him 24 yeah. seven. And you know, when he's not actually driving, when he has to stop, cause he can only drive 11 hours a day. Um, then he can take her on walks. They can go exploring. She can. So, I mean, yeah, it's constant care. And yeah. I just think that that's freaking awesome. So she's going to stay with me until she's a little bit older and she can have bladder control and all that kind of stuff. And then she's going to be a, she's going to be a road dog.
0: Oh my gosh. I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we're excited. We will post pictures because she's so freaking cute. I've already like taken up so much memory in my phone. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait to just take a look at her and just give her a little snuggle, snuggle to the face. Just <laughs> those little cheeks, the little puppy cheeks. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yes. So, okay. So, so lots of love. <laughs> lots of love going on in this episode because it's the holiday season. It's the holiday season. And this is That's just where Hwanza- we are Hawanzikamana Christmas eve, whatever that Christmas, word. Christmas uh crim whatever it was, Chris Mahanawansaka. It, it's something. I don't know. I said it a while ago. Yeah. We posted it. We love everybody that celebrates every holiday, but we're also on the mend from all of those holidays and going into the new year, which is great. Uh, don't know if it's going to be a new year, new anybody, given all <laughs> the state of affairs of the world, but we don't need to get into that. Tess, what are we going to talk about today?
1: Today, we are going to talk about the Myers-Briggs MBTI personality type tests and we're going to, uh, Lauren has our scientific information as per usual, and I have our anecdotal information as per usual, and we're going to talk about um, different people that we've known with different personality types, our personality types, interacting with others, and also understanding um, our own because, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, because, little spoiler, Lauren and I both have, I think, the rarest female personality types, right? Yeah. I know mine is the very rarest. I'm not
0: sure. I think yours is in like the bottom three or something though, right? Supposedly. Supposedly my personality type is like one of 3% of the population, but you are the, the rarest female for your mm-hmm. personality mine type. Mine is in like
1: 0.1 or 1% of the females or, or something like that. I'm going to have to actually look that up. And yeah.
0: So anyway, Lauren, you want to you wanna take it away and tell us some scientific yeah. info? Yeah, absolutely. So something that I actually find very interesting about the Myers-Briggs test is that it actually is based off of uh, the theories made by the psychoanalyst Carl Jung. Uh, So it's basically what made Carl Jung mainstream. And what I mean by this is that Carl Jung was an interesting man. He was a son of a pastor and studied not only psychology, but he was also actually interested in the occult and paranormal phenomena. Mm-hmm. and um he actually was like a part of like seances and shit oh wow yeah and um he had an entirely separate theory that's around like the collective conscious um but in reality he was one of the first intellectual humans to consider that like all of this is a simulation and uh oh, okay. is yeah, yeah. essentially the author of the matrix we're just going to put it that there uh in reality uh but anyway uh Jung was actually like homeboys with uh, Sigmund Freud. Oh, Uh, okay. But instead of believing that the unconscious was strictly repressed sexual desires like Freudy did, uh, Jung was interested in figuring out what other aspects like extroversion, introversion, sensing, thinking, feeling, etc. How those affected the human conscious and unconscious and made people who they are and effectively make people more aware of their unconscious, um, and collective minds.
1: Yeah. So kind of like figuring out what makes you tick, um, and how many other people tick quote
0: quote the same way. Yeah, no, exactly. But he was actually interested in figuring that out specifically through having people remember dreams. Okay. Yeah. My dreams are weird exactly <laughs> this, Weird. So, so this is all to say just remember that when your job asks you to take this personality type because according to forbes actually like almost 89 percent of fortune 500 companies make people take an mbti test that mm-hmm. uh the person who this theory this test is based off of is the original conspiracy theorist of simulation so we're just gonna leave that there <laughs>
1: I I freaking love that, especially because you said, like, it's so mainstream, especially if it's Fortune 500. Like, these are big companies, reputable companies, Mm -hmm. and we're basing it off a conspiracy theorist. And as someone who was raised in the boondocks by conspiracy theorists, I
0: fucking love that. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll get into the nitty gritty of what the test actually is and what it does. Uh, The test was actually created by a mother-daughter tag team. So Catherine Cook Briggs and Isabel Briggs Myers, respectively, were the mother-daughter team. And uh, I just really need to quote this specifically because I personally find it fucking hysterical. And maybe you guys will find it too. I don't know. But quote, Briggs, so mom, Was inspired to research personality type theory when she met Isabel, her daughter's, future husband, Clarence Myers. She noticed he had a different way of seeing the world. This intrigued her enough to start a literature review to understand different temperaments. So. I
1: love that. That sounds like my mom. What was her (laughs) personality type?
0: Essentially... (laughs) This oh my woman god was either enamored enough with her daughter's husband or just so confused by him that she created an entire test to that figure sounds him like out.
1: something my mom would freaking do
0: no 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 that's some infj shit i don't know <laughs> what else that could possibly be what this- was,
1: was was she an infj
0: yes <laughs> I which mean- i did i did not know but but this woman literally <laughs> psychoanalyzed the world and created an empire because she wanted to put her son-in-law either in his place or understand him intimately and what i am was his personality type I, I don't know but i am here for it <laughs> i am here for it talk about a helicopter mom <laughs> hang on i'm going to figure the world out cuz i don't understand you Like, I honestly didn't even know that she was an INFJ until I read that quote from the website, and I literally laughed out loud because I was like, that is some psycho shit that I would do. I promise.
1: I love it. I fucking
0: love it. (laughs) I promise on Sadie and Samson, that is some psycho shit that I would do. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) so anyway (laughs) like any true idealist tag team this mother-daughter duo sets out and like they tried to make the world a better place like they really wanted to understand how that they how they could make other people get along based off of who they were and this was a in a post-world war ii world so this was in the early 20th century that both of these women decided to kind of be pioneers in this way um so post-World War II, and they really did study people, just people individually for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first real release of the first version of the myers test was actually in 1962. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so they
1: waited a minute before it came out.
0: Yes, they did. And uh, so just to kind of go back and like flashback a little bit and not be laughy about it but uh carl jung released his theories of uh the uh in in intuition and thinking and nonsensical because if you actually read like the actual document that he put he actually doesn't even say failing it's like nonsensical like it's it's very uh, he was like me (laughs) yes it's very 1920s very literal And it's also, he was German, so, like, this was a translation into English, and German is far more literal than English can be. Um, But he released that original paper in 1921. So this is, she, uh, mom, Briggs read that in 1921, and she was kind of doing these own studies of her own, but she felt like she understood what he was writing. She just wanted to expand on it, and they... Her and her daughter. So Briggs, <laughs> Briggs, Briggs mom, mom Myers, daughter. daughter. <laughs> Briggs mom, Myers daughter, uh, had this theory, and they were they were you know conversing and meeting with people and having these conversations with people, but it was all dialectical and things that they were analyzing for themselves right. um, since 21, and they didn't release anything until 1962.
1: Wow. So that was 40 years of research.
0: They did a lot 41. of, yeah, they did a lot of research. And I mean, truthfully, it, it was all personal. Like, I I mean, and this is also to say that there are a lot of things that say that none of this is factual. It can't be uh, backed up by science, which is technically true. I mean, s- psychology in general is actually considered a soft science as far as anything else is concerned. And like, right. I'm saying that as a fact that was my minor in college. It's a soft science. Yeah, no, that's it's not an insult. It's reality. No. But, um, so that's when they did their, their first release of the Myers-Briggs test. And, you know, for those of us that are a little cultish about the MBTI test or just simply love learning about themselves, you know, you're you're probably all too aware of what those four little letters mean to you and depending on, you know, your type or how much you talk about it at a bar with strangers or you lean into that side of quote-unquote who you are. Um, and then there are like people that probably are listening to this that just have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. So... For those, I'm just going to break it down real quick into what each letter is. Um, So there's extroversion versus introversion, which means looking outward toward people and objects versus inward toward concepts and ideas. So that's your E or your I. Mm -hmm. Then you have the second letter, which is sensing versus intuition looking for tangible details and facts versus wider patterns and possibilities that's going to be your s versus n i've been drinking guys and i don't need that much anymore after covid to get really drunk very fast so it's helping you not abuse substances i guess don't abuse substances uh so that is your s versus n thank you Uh, thinking versus feeling. So you decide things in a detached and logical way versus weighing people's needs in syncing harmony. That's your T versus your F. And then you have P versus, or P, (laughs) perceiving versus judging, which is P or J, uh, which means preferring to keep decisions open if you're a perceiving person versus to have matters settled if you're judging right? So Mm Tess, I know that you're an INTJ Mm -hmm. and I'm an INFJ. Right. So we're similar except for one letter. Except for one letter, which is the thinking versus feeling, which can be pretty big.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's big. Yeah. No, it sounds like, oh, you're only one letter apart, but there's a very large difference.
0: No, there is. There is. And and I think anybody... Anybody that's taken the Myers-Briggs can also kind of <laughs> relate to that. But do you gravitate toward certain types of people? Um,
1: I think I definitely gravitate more towards feelers than I do. I'm looking at, <clears throat> um, oh, wow. Okay. I, I made a list. That's what yeah. I'm looking at right next to me. I want to explain it since you guys can't see what I'm doing. Um <clears throat> I made a list of some of the people that I'm closest to and what their different personality types are. Because if you know me, I've run around since my college days going, take this test, tell me what you are, (laughs) because I'm constantly just wanting to learn about people, wanting to understand more, um, because I am a thinker and I am a like judger. And so I'm constantly trying to figure it out, Mm -hmm. but I lack that feeling part and that sensing part. So I have to find the pattern. Um, and what I'm looking at is in my friends and, uh, the people that I have been around most in my life, uh, there's more T's across the board than there are F's, but the people that I've become closest to the fastest and, or are most likely romantically drawn towards are F's.
0: Really? hmm Interesting.
1: Yeah. It's okay. almost like, I know that I'm missing that. that opposite attract kind of thing.
0: Yeah. No, I fully understand that because I always seem to have like INTJs or ISTJs as romantic partners. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've kind of discovered that like, I really don't enjoy extroverts. They can be a lot, especially if you're like super introverted
1: because some people are right there in the middle and there is, there has been a term thrown around. Um, It's not officially accepted in the 16 personalities, but it's thrown around a little bit and that's ambivert. Yep, which instead of being an I introvert or E extrovert, you're like 5149 or you flip-flop back and forth. Um another key point about introverts versus extroverts. Extroverts recharge with a lot of people. They have find themselves gaining energy from being in crowds, from being out places, all that kind of stuff. Introverts prefer to recharge by themselves. And that doesn't mean that you're antisocial. It just means that that's where your recharge comes from is like either yourself or maybe like one other person that you're super comfortable with kind of thing, but it's a private recharge versus a public recharge. And again, ambiverts can flip back and forth between that depending on mood or time of life. Because I think that going into an alternate personality, if you're under a great deal of stress and or toxicity like this entire year, you can kind of go into a little bit of a different mode
0: she's hiding behind her microphone. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, no, we're not going to exactly go, <laughs> we're not going to go exactly into inferior functions. I mean, we could if we wanted to. And if you want to later, that can fine. be part two. No, it's fine. <laughs> this it it has to be high
1: level at first because I feel like most people would probably, you know, know what this is and have some kind of a jump off point, but just in case.
0: Yeah, no, I I mean, for for me, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily prepared to talk about inferior functions. Yeah. Um, I know that there are times in my life like I can actually pinpoint when my inferior functions got the better of me. But um, so I, but I mean, like, t- t- I truthfully, the only extroverts that like I kind of have in my life actually are usually uh, ENFJs. So, like, just the extroverted me. (laughs) Like, I don't know if that's a a coincidence. I mean, like, I can count on my hands, literally, like, the amount of people that, like, are close to me in my life. And, like, I even have a couple that actually have my personality type, which, like, is, again, like, we talked at the beginning, is supposed to be a rare one. But, like, I feel like I find a lot of INFJs, which I feel is really weird. Like it doesn't make me feel like they're that rare and like maybe they are, I don't know. But it just, I find it really funny that I gravitate emotionally and romantically toward uh, emotionally quote unquote unavailable people insofar as like thinkers rather than feelers. yeah. And I just, I really don't, I cannot think of one perceiver that I have in my life. Like I really can't.
1: Hmm. I was trying to think. I have a, quite a few perceivers, actually. Uh, again, looking at my list, uh, my mom is one. She's mm-hmm. a big one. And that to me, she's a thinker perceiver. She's INTP.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And despite the fact she is a T, and I'm a like, we're both thinkers. I'm the judger, she's the perceiver. I find it emotionally draining sometimes because she says she's not as in touch with her feelings as I am with mine but to me the perception comes across as emotion.
0: Interesting.
1: And I that's that's not a down on my mom. That's just like she makes me go to that place in my head where
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: the, the INTJ is try, trying to talk about emotions in the brain here y'all. This is how <laughs> this is how out of touch I am. You don't even understand. I don't it <laughs> Lauren <laughs> it's really good at asking me, okay, so do you know what you're feeling right now? You can tell me what you're thinking, but are you aware of what you're feeling right now? And my answer is just like, no, I yep. have no idea.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Anytime that there's an emotional thing. And I mean, like, that's also because like, you know, this, but like to other, to our listeners, like my mom, my mom is also an INTJ, which I find hysterical uh that you and I are best this friends is, and my mom. It, we, yeah, this is why you clicked with me. You're just like, "Oh yeah, no,
1: I I know what she is. It's fine. She's not that weird."
0: Well, and I just I always find it funny too because there are times where like when I try to have emotional conversations with my mom and I I know that she feels like she can't emote around me and she doesn't necessarily feel comfortable doing it cuz I'm the child and she's the adult and that's how she right. was raised. But like It's always kind of fun to me to, and this sounds really shitty, but like to get her into a situation where she's uncomfortable (laughs) and make her feel something (laughs) because then she has to be honest. Yeah. No, that, that's why sometimes when you're like
1: interviewing me for the podcast, I'm like, well, I'm a glass of wine in and I have no, like, I didn't do any research on this. So I'm going to have to be friggin' honest. And I'm, you're either going to get some real good, or we might have some sociopathic serial killer stuff on recording.
0: <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I've dated one of you. It's fine. But- sorry. <laughs> from, from all of us INTJs, I'm so sorry. Cause Oof. <laughs> I mean, no offense to you, but that was my most toxic relationship. Oh,
1: no, yeah. I don't. I don't doubt it. I have been told by so many different partners that I am a special breed of Gracie.
0: I mean, I feel, I, I don't know. I, again, like that just starts with I feel. So, I mean, it's not like you can relate, you robot. Oh, no, <laughs> I can't. Okay. I cannot. And that's the problem. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's... That's mainly all the background that I had,
1: so. Okay, well, I did look up the uh, percentages for females with our personality type. Did you Um, really? Yes, I did. I pulled it up. Uh, So (laughs) I and TJ, because I'm research-based, definitely, which I find it hilarious that I'm the one that always has the anecdotal evidence because (laughs) we, like, have switched for this podcast, and I'm here for it. Anyway.
0: We really have, though. Like, that's why I love this It's weird. This is Tess in her comfort zone. Yeah. Anyway. Put each other on the uncomfort zone so that uh, it's honest and true instead of us being manipulative. (laughs)
1: Right. But also, like, I'm so comfortable with you that I can look at you and talk to you. And it comes across as a super comfortable conversation despite me being out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Dang. Okay. Anyway, INTJ females, which is me, yep. make up 0.9 percent of the population. Wow, that's it.
0: Just nine? Like literally? Wait, 0.9? 0.9, nine. Like,
1: like okay. less than one percent?
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Wow. Yeah. It's that's me. Neat.
1: It is tied for the rarest personality type for women uh, with ENTJ. Oh, ENTJ. ENTJ and INTJ are tied for last, both at 0.9%. And this is according to careerplanner.com.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay. Okay. And then INFJ, which is you, is actually the next rarest personality type for women. And you make up 1.6% of the population.
0: For women? Yes. Specifically for women. Okay. Yeah. No, I know that most INFJs are women. So like most, like the rarer INFJs are, are men, which is actually my father, mm-hmm. uh, which is also really weird that we just have a family full of, like my brother's an ENFJ, my mom's an INTJ, my dad's an INFJ, and I'm an INFJ. So, you know. I would say there's some nurture going on there. I was going to say nature versus nurture. You guys take mm-hmm. your pick, but <laughs> it's still a soft science, y'all.
1: Yeah. Well, if, if we want to venture down that rabbit hole for a minute... Um, i was raised as an only child i have some step and some god siblings and some whatever but yeah uh raised as an only child and i was raised by a istj father yep
0: um and then my mom is an entp i feel like that couple gets along very well but i don't i feel like as a uh, intj maybe. child
1: there was definite friction. Um, I think the sensing versus intuition
0: really yeah. clashed
1: in that relationship.
0: No, it 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 kind of always does. I mean, well, always isn't like I can relate from my my personal relationship. So my, my husband is an ISTJ. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely say that when you are an intuitive versus sounds really bad, but versus a sensing person, but um, you're married to, or in a relationship with a sensing person, if you don't know how to voice your feelings and have your own boundaries as an yeah. intuitive person, then you are setting yourself up for a lot of hurt that isn't even going to be intentional. Right. Yeah.
1: And for me, I find sensors fascinating because I survive life with patterns because as an INTJ, I am literally a robot. And so the emotions, the social construct expected uh, responses, all that kind of stuff, I have to figure out how I'm supposed to act because it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, And it's, it's not like, even on like an autistic spectrum or anything like that. It's literally just, I don't get it. It doesn't compute. And so I find sensors absolutely fascinating because I feel like they pick up on stuff so much faster than me. And, you know, I'm out there looking for the patterns and they're just like, Oh, this is what I do. Like this makes sense because it's all the sensory input and I'm having to take the sensory input and put it through a computer and find a pattern and then recreate that pattern in my own life. Whereas a sensor just does it naturally. Interesting
0: yeah no i I mean for me, I've just always find censors more interesting because I can't read them
1: yeah, it uh, basically, I'm saying the same thing, but I'm saying it in the extreme thinker, and you have that feeling. i have a feeling
0: yeah yeah no the 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 <laughs> so this is how simply things go for Lauren versus Tess when it comes to people pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah no i I've always enjoyed um especially just, uh, Ian, because I, it, and the, the other sensors that I have had romantic relationships with, or e- even just friendships with, I enjoy them because I cannot read them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more comfortable they get around me, the more that I can read them, but, but if it's I, not an immediate recognition. Ish. It it's, it's not a, depending on how comfortable I am with a person, I don't care how it comes well, off. Like I can feel the emotion that they have after I say something that comes off across poorly. And depending on if I feel the need to either justify or recant what I said, then there's that. But I've also discovered in my relationship with my own husband, like, and and this is going to sound really poor, but you know, if if I feel a certain way and I have uh, facts to back that up, because like I understand that my feelings are my feelings, I'm responsible for my feelings. Like an mm-hmm. unhealthy, an unhealthy like teenager feeling thing is that you're responsible for my feelings. No, I'm responsible for my feelings. Right. But if my feelings are stemming from like either this pattern of behavior that you are exhibiting that makes me upset because I feel disrespected versus this pattern of behavior that makes me upset because I'm being immature, those are two different things. For sure. So I've discovered that I can come to the table and this is also something that like I grew up with with my mom because she's a thinker like you, mm-hmm. like, no here's the logical thing that makes sense and you can understand it. Ian can understand it. Cause you're thinkers. Here's my evidence. But yeah. like, I feel this way and I need you to understand. I feel this way because here's the evidence. But like, you can't right. go to a thinker with just being like, I feel this way because like they don't give a fuck.
1: No. And we're, we're going to ask like, okay, well, why? That's exactly you know how they say people always have a question that they ask throughout life. How, why, what, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all that kind of, okay. Mine has always been why. To mm-hmm. the point that when I was a tiny child, my mother thought I was talking back. I asked why so often. And the realistic thing that she figured out after I grew up was I, I literally just wanted to lie. Yep. And if you give me a reason that I find logical enough, yep. okay, I'll move hell in high water to get it done. But if you just say because, I'm like, well, then no. Yeah. Because it's, it doesn't, there's no logic there. Yep. No. I, I showed Lauren a meme right before we started this episode um, <laughs> about an INTJ, and it's just this I in, this uh person outline, and then there's a brain where the brain should be, and it says INTJ brain, and then where the heart should be, it says backup brain.
0: Because- and it's also a brain
1: because it's yeah, not it's a also heart a it's a brain it's not a heart yeah there's there's not there <laughs> it's like i don't have a black hole i don't make that joke i've heard that joke from a lot of people i don't i have a black hole where my heart should be no i just have an auxiliary
0: brain yeah no there's just two brains and and i get that because when like even still as as an adult my my first thing is why mm-hmm. and it's it i've never voiced a why in in the same way that a thinker does because thinkers always go why versus right. like why like yeah when you, Again, there's
1: that lack of inflection, that lack of emotion. It really it's is. It's a computation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when I, when I was asking why, it was more of a, it, it's a, it, it hits people a little different. Oh, yeah, no, I'm offensive
1: as fuck, even when I'm not trying to be.
0: <laughs> but so there's, there's the why, and then it's okay. I understand why. Now, how do we make that happen? So I've always been a why, how person. That makes sense. I've never had just one question. And so when when I was growing up, yeah, it's, it's okay, so why are we doing this? Okay, now I understand why we're doing this. How are we going to make this happen?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that that's always been a benefit of mine as a, like, I don't know if that's just like a, I, and I don't think that's an INFJ thing, but I, I'm always kind of curious if, and that's just a, uh, it's definitely a judger thing, I would say. Yeah. Because it's definitely a, I understand what the path forward needs to be, mm-hmm. but how are we going to make it get there? Right. Um, which is also why I don't think that I have many perceivers. And like, I, I'm not uh, obviously like against any perceivers, like I'm not prejudiced against perceivers. I just, no. I have not had many in my
1: life. I mean, this test is to find out like who you mesh with, how you think, who you work well with, all the kind of stuff. That's why Fortune 500 companies, et cetera, like we talked about in the beginning, use it. And so it's not that any personality type is better, worse, or anything in between any of the others. It's just, I mean, you're going to have certain types that you fit better with. Um, there's actually a joke uh, when it comes to the INTJ personality that Um, We always end up in romantic relationships with ENFPs, Um, extroverted, intuitive, feeling, perceiving, because that is the person that looks at the INTJ who's sitting in the corner looking like they have a really hardcore resting bitch face when in fact we're trying to figure out the patterns in the room around us to figure out where we fit in those patterns and or how to recreate them to look a little more normal. The ENFP is the one that walks over and is like, "Ooh, you're different. I'm going to follow you around until you just accept me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so have you had an enfp in your life i have had an enfp relationships yes i have and um they can be a lot of fun um they can also be really annoying like it it goes both <laughs> ways <laughs> because eventually you're just like stop fucking following me around like stop it right now yep. like i've i had it
0: with you go away <laughs> yeah no no I, I can't i can't fully understand that because i've never been around anybody that i've uh truly been romantically interested in that actually pursues me i've always been the pursuing it's
1: not a pursuit that i i I said very carefully literally just kind of follows them around just exists
0: it's just a yeah, shadow. Like,
1: but I mean, also that's how you get an INTJ's attention is just exist in their stratosphere, and eventually they can't ignore you anymore.
0: That is also true. I can I can attest to that as a fact for the INTJ that I dated. So yeah. Yeah,
1: you just you <laughs> exist in their sphere until they're like, oh okay, like you're here now. Yep. Okay
0: literally exactly like that that was exactly how that relationship uh began and that's why it ended at the same time for me for
1: me no for me no i like like i said i apologize on behalf of all intjs because holy crap and i don't even know what another one would be like because i've never met somebody that took the test that got what i was ever i don't think so
0: interesting
1: not that i can think of there may have been one roommate in college but i also think she had a flip-flop letter she was like right in the middle of one of them no and every time i take the test i am polar like 70 percent on every single one of them there's no doubt
0: about i got the screenshots yeah no i know you did but they didn't (laughs) our beautiful human unicorns don't know this that's true our beautiful human unicorns probably don't we should maybe we could we could post them i'm not going to That doesn't matter to me. Anyway,
1: (laughs) but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Something else I found really interesting in doing research, and I did research a lot on my personality because, I mean, it's me. Um, But I like this quote. INTJs process emotions first through analyzing them and then finding the causes. Why? Um, (laughs) That's why they have a deep rational empathy. Because they have first rationalized, no, they have first analyzed how you think, who you are, and then understood how that situation affects you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's supposedly makes INTJs both empathetic and also really, um, I don't really want to use the word tolerant, but accepting of a lot of things that people normally wouldn't, because we don't have an emotional response to it. Yeah. It's like if you can give me a logical reason why the way you are I can have empathy for you. We can find some common ground over the just the logical process.
0: Right. Right. Well, I mean, I can ignore how my what my visceral response would potentially be because I don't have one. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's like there's there's code in there. There there's probably you know a moral code or any kind of nurture code that you were brought up with. But again, it's almost computational in that if you can go with the things that we find, like you don't cross an irrefutable logic point. Yeah. I can probably yeah. accept whatever you throw at me.
0: Yeah. I mean, for most of the relationships that I have, aren't that are not exactly like uh, if if I'm not emotionally attached. To the person that I'm involving myself with literally i.e. feeling then I don't have that emotional response but like if if I have an emotional attachment to you then that f is just fully like it exists <laughs> it exists it also exists to the point where even if I don't know you but I just want to psychoanalyze you I am actually Mrs. Briggs and I will wreck your life because it's just fun to me
1: I fucking love going out to bars with you because it's so it's so funny, y'all. Psychoanalyzes all of them and the drunker that she gets, the more she screams. It's funny. And I'm just sitting over there with almost no facial expression, listening to everything, enjoying the crap out of it
0: and then hauling her ass home. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, every single person <laughs> that I have psychoanalyzed has either fallen in love with me or has asked to pay me for the uh, session that they got that evening. So even if I'm insane, yelling saying it
1: was a bad <laughs> thing. None of that was an insult. That was all a compliment. It's just loud. It's just <laughs> yeah, loud. Yeah, it, it is it is quite it can be quite loud.
0: I have no volume setting. Well, I really- Especially when I drink. I I don't know if it's because I'm like actually partially deaf or if I just, I, I cannot, I cannot actually, I need to be at the center of attention. Let's just put it that way. I apparently need to be at the center of attention. I'm and I'm over there in the corner watching everybody. So we get along great. Cause you're not <laughs> fighting for either spot. <laughs> no. And I'm honestly surprised that I'm not an extrovert and I'm not like, I'm absolutely not. But like the amount of attention that I need when I need attention is astounding.
1: Is that a is that a feeler thing? I don't know. I I've, I'm truly curious because again, I'm trying to understand.
0: So is that a feeler thing? I don't know if it's necessarily a feeler thing. Um I know that INFJs are usually like misconstrued as being and this also goes to like the inferior function thing because the only times that I really feel the need to be a psychoanalyst of sorts is when I have my inferior functions being more grandiose than what they should be. So like when I'm feeling more like an extrovert, then I feel the need to psychoanalyze people, but I'm still me. so I can just do it, but I'm just loud and obnoxious and awful. So it don't matter.
1: I'm still here (laughs) because apparently if you give me a logical explanation, then I just roll with it. Which is true. (laughs) And you're a very good sport about it. (laughs) I enjoy watching. I, It was, it's, it was so funny Um, whenever we were first working together at the tech company uh, where we met, um, we had those open cubicle style uh, where it's like four desks to one cubicle. Each person gets a corner kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Lauren and I were kind of next to each other on a corner Mm -hmm. and um, everybody else thought I was the fucking weirdest thing. They had ever seen and didn't know what to do with me and lauren was just kind of like a little bit like the entp in this where you were just like i'm gonna follow you around until you pay attention to me
0: yep and here we are yep no i knew that i knew that i liked you yeah. <laughs> I to keep you in my little circle because everybody else are kind of sucked like there were very few people that were not super judgmental so <laughs> And I mean, they
1: would always just ask me like, "What the fuck is wrong with Tess? Like, why she always just have her headphones in and like never talking to anybody?" I'm just like, "I'm I'm chilling." No, like, do it. you were always chilling. I'm good. I'll listen to whatever. But you ever think I'm gonna be the life of the party? You fucking wrong. <laughs>
0: yeah. No. No, and I don't know. Like, I always kind of, and I guess like again, like it because of my mom's personality type and the fact that like I dated one of
1: you. <laughs> it's force. fine you can you can say it that way i it doesn't uh, i i understand why <laughs>
0: i'm okay with that trust me i know yeah but no i didn't i didn't understand why other people were just like you know and it's it, i didn't i never even took it as like oh like a tess's test because there was a lot of respect for you it wasn't anything like uh you're just weird it was like you you were fearsome <laughs> you were instead of loved you were feared uh <laughs> but but it was, I, I just, I think that people wanted, and this is a thing that I think exists with a lot of INTJs that they don't really understand, is there's a desire for approval mm-hmm. um, that exists with like who you are because you're quiet, but when you do talk, you're intelligent. And it's something that a lot of other people can't read and And that's intriguing to a lot of other types of people I mean, I think it's intriguing to anybody. I think people that they can't read that they don't fully understand but just want to is always interesting, oh yeah, um, and so I think that that's what was happening with you and and where we worked, but I mean, I wasn't i I never felt like that was a permanent place for me, so I just didn't give a fuck <laughs>
1: but But yes, I
0: I definitely was your shadow-ish to a point. Like I never, I left you alone. Oh yeah. No,
1: I'm just saying like, I definitely didn't seek anybody out. So I feel like I'm really glad that everything worked out and all that kind of stuff. But like, I think that if it hadn't been for you, kind of like, you know... (laughs) starting the whole thing. It would not have been.
0: At work, you were not pursuing me, but like you definitely did text me more, which I'm grateful for. Because when Well, that's true. I'm way more comfortable with that distance and the ability to think and plan out what I'm going to say. Yeah. No, outside of work, you were definitely like one of the key reasons that I actually had a social life in texas (laughs) and now we've been far closer since i moved but (laughs) yeah very true
1: 100 yeah um okay here's here's a fun little question that i wanted to compare and contrast on as an infj what is your most toxic trait in relationships everything oh (laughs) okay but elaborate because you're calling me one of them and i know my most toxic so what's yours
0: no um uh, I, uh, instead of asking how people feel, I immediately assume because like I can, like I'm a very empathetic person. So I know that I know how people feel, but instead of saying and allowing somebody else to say how they feel, I immediately, um, behave as though those words were said to me. And even if those are things that people just need to say, like they feel them and then they just need to say them and then they're gone, which is the same for most like thinking and sensing people, Mm -hmm. which is why like I'm attracted to sensors and thinkers because like if they say it and then they get it out, then it's fine and it's done and it's whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but like for me, uh, behaviorally, if, if I feel that that feeling exists, then instead of allowing somebody to talk, I immediately uh, shift my behavior or get really aggressive. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, is uh, before I knew that I needed to say what I needed, Mm -hmm. And I had the ability to have a voice in a relationship rather than just feel how other people feel and react to that. Um, I was just very much a, I expect, like I expect to be treated how I'm treating you Mm -hmm. type of person. And that's not how the real world works. That's a very idealistic version of... I'm going to treat you how I love you or I'm going to treat you how you're treating me. And that can just be a very toxic cycle very quickly because you're not setting real expectations as an adult or as a person. Right. You're just having expectations that can't be met. So I feel like those are the major toxic parts of me that I can say like off of the top of my head, but like everything's toxic about me. So. It's okay. It's one of the reasons I love you.
1: Um, Thank you. I love you too. <laughs> so, okay. I know you're speaking romantically uh, whenever you talk about that, but whenever you do encounter somebody like an INTJ, me or your mom or whoever, how does that play in when you know that we have such a hard time even like grasping at emotion, feeling emotion? Mm. How does that, you know what I'm saying?
0: No, I do. I get exactly what you're saying. Um, are you talking like toxic trait or are you just asking how does that play in? 'Cause there's two things here. <laughs> explain both. Okay. So um it's a toxic trait, but it's also just uh I don't know, like I, I really don't know how to explain it. Um, other than it's this weird manipulation tool. Okay. Where I'll say certain things and I will immediately hear the tone of voice and know the person that I'm talking to to the point where depending on the tone of voice that I receive, then I'll know I need to change course x way or i'm on the track to get the answer that i want y way Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah so it's a very weird manipulative course of action but it's never for people that i care about it's never malicious and then even still with people that i don't care about it's not malicious because i don't i don't care Like I don't care about the reaction that I get from it. It's that people that gravitate toward me usually have to have some sort of cathartic release and they don't know me and I don't care about them. And I'm not going to like, like I understand that judging is a part of my personality type, but I don't judge them. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing about who I am or what I'm saying to them that should come across as you're doing the right or wrong thing because I don't, I don't know you. And then for people that I do know, it's more along the lines of, it should come from an empath uh, an empathetic place, mm-hmm. um, but when I am mad, it it definitely is more of a I will end your emotional life, and right. it doesn't even it doesn't even matter if you're not an emotional person. Like I I know how to push buttons because
1: yeah no yeah. I- I, I make the joke that I'm a robot. I'm not actually. No, a I robot, know you're. But I. I <laughs> no, no. I'm just. I'm saying that because, like, I make that joke. I understand that there are things that I feel, but I think I feel a lot less than most people. But yeah, lot. yeah.
0: No, yeah. I, I think that's fair. I think that's entirely fair. Yeah, but I. I think that there's there's cues and and I, I really don't know how to fully explain it because I know that for people that don't hear those things. And like, there's literally like, there's a vibe, like there's like a, no, I get you. Like it's, it's like a phone vibrating in my pocket when there's things that I say that just don't come across right to other people. And then I immediately either like shift and backtrack or I'm like, no, 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 no. Like maybe I didn't say it the right way. Like it came out of my mouth exactly how I meant to say it but i just got that vibe immediately back where it's like oh you fucked up and it's like no let me let me let me rephrase it maybe i didn't say that right this is what no, I, I meant to say yeah i totally get you yeah the, the funny
1: thing to me the the response that gets from me sitting on the other side of the the table of this if you will is mm-hmm. i have looked at watched listened for all of those same tones, inflections, reactions, all that kind of stuff to recreate that pattern in my own responses. Oh, okay. And so you're talking about how you're changing based on the response that I'm giving. And I'm trying to give the response that I think is expected because I rarely authentically respond. Uh See, no, I know when
0: something's authentic versus fake.
1: No, I know you do. I'm just saying I find that really interesting on both sides of the coin because I'm not trying to be a liar. It's just more like I know when I'm supposed to laugh because it should be funny, right? Kind of thing. That right. that kind of style. So it's like if I'm trying to be around somebody that I know is a feeler, that I know is a censor, with more they're expecting more of an emotional emotional response from me. If I'm truly trying and I'm not at what I joke as base programming, yeah, then I'm not saying it's inauthentic like it's a lie, but it's not what my true reaction would be if I wasn't masking.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I feel like most women are used to doing that too anyways because you just don't want to get killed at the bar. So (laughs) there's that.
1: (laughs) I had the funniest thing happen. Small side note. um, I'm walking into the bar with my usual like don't fuck with me walk. Um, And these guys are walking out. And one of them yells at me, um, you need to smile. You look mean. Fuck you. I am mean. <laughs> that was my response. I did you like, really say that? I said, good.
0: I want to look mean. Good. <laughs> and you were just like, what the fuck did she just say? Fuck you, man. <laughs> what? Don't ever tell a woman to smile.
1: God damn. Oh, I hate that. That, that should go on the pet peeve list, man. Ooh.
0: That's another adulting as emotional session.
1: Yeah. Well, we did pet peeves. We could do pet peeves part two and just really bitch about everything.
0: We but... could. We could.
1: But... Anyway, back to most toxic traits in relationships with our personality types. Oh, yay. I didn't know we weren't done with this. Well, I didn't answer the question. I oh, was going to answer my own question.
0: What's what's your toxic trait?
1: Okay. I even coined a name for it.
0: Okay. It's called the light switch effect. Oh, no. Okay. I... I... From being in a relationship with one of you. I know exactly what that is, but yes. I'll let you. It's
1: extremely toxic because it's so painful for the other person. Yep. The light switch effect, as I am coining it, um, is when I sit down, develop a logic path to think my way out of any way that I did feel about you, yep. and that light switch gets turned off and it's not a dimmer switch. It's a light switch. Yep. And then it's done.
0: Yep. They actually have like the same term for an INFJ. That's called the door slam. Yeah. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I think that for a INTJ, a, a light switch makes absolute sense.
1: Yep. And it can happen in romantic relationships. It can happen in friendships. It can happen in anything. If there's, we are so empathetic where it's like, like I said, you give us that logical reasoning, you give us that why we'll accept anything. But then if you cross those certain lines in the sand which most people will not even realize are there that light switch gets turned off. And it, because we don't have an emotional response to so many things it's It's off. Yep. It's gone. And I have hurt so many people that way. And I want to be empathetic and I want to, I want to feel bad, but I don't, I don't have that internal response.
0: Yep. No. I mean, the few people in my life that I have door slammed, um, I I can't say that I have any ill will toward them. No. But I do know that the emotional turmoil that I went through intrinsically for them uh, did not outweigh putting them in the past.
1: Right. And I'm a firm believer that the opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. Yep.
0: And an INTJ's apathy will cut you to the quick. <laughs> yep no if you if you hate somebody that's only my mom always said that uh you can only hate somebody as much as you love them yeah but and there's a very it, thin line
1: between love and hate, but once you don't care indifference you
0: know. yeah in indifference is exactly the 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 i i guess the the cup the cord spot mm-hmm. yeah um
1: and the on the other on the other side of the light switch effect um that can be really dangerous for me personally, Mm -hmm. is if I think myself into accepting someone, I can accept them completely all at once. And they're like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know you this well. And I'm like, no, I, I have, I analyzed you. I have decided who you are and I have decided what slot you will fill in my life. And you now fill that slot. And they're like, huh? Oh, interesting. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm 15 steps ahead of you on the chessboard. It's fine. Like, I know where this goes. It's fine. Just trust me. And then in 15 steps, they're like, oh, yeah, you were right. I was like, uh-huh.
0: Well, INTJs really do live that far in the future. Yeah. So.
1: So we no. will analyze, figure out what is best for you or what is whatever. Yep. Not like best for you like we know what's best for you, but like analyze the person and say this is where you fit. Yep. And then you fill the slot. It, it, there's none of this like working towards something or a slow buildup or no.
0: No, it just exists or it doesn't. I get that. Yeah. I Um, I mean, as an INFJ, like I always have figured out that I either care about somebody immediately or I don't like there's very, I don't have any actual, like just friends. I don't have people that are either, you're either a part of my life and you stay in my life for the extent of it, or you are an acquaintance and I'm happy to be, you know, whoever you need me to be to you. But to me, you're not a part of that. Jigsaw puzzle. You're not a. You're not a part of that puzzle piece. That's that's fitting a a portion of my life. You know, um, so I fully understand what you're saying on the future part. I I've always <laughs> figured out that it seems to uh, discourage some humans. And the only time that I was ever burned by a certain part of the puzzle piece, uh, I found the wrong person to fit that puzzle piece. But I actually found <laughs> the really funny part is I found the person that was supposed to fill the puzzle piece for the person that I thought was going to be my puzzle piece filler before he left, which made him leaving a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. But that was funny. That was probably the most INFJ moment I think I've ever had, which is like, oh, fuck. Like, not only are you not going to be with me because you shouldn't be, but like, I also have found the person that you're going to be with. And they've been together for like almost five years now. So that's fucking hysterical to me.
1: <laughs> I mean, it happens. It's okay.
0: <laughs> it does happen. It does. Ha- it totally happens. And it is okay. But it's just like, I still to this day, I find it hysterical. That was also my in- INTJ. Hey,
1: you know, <laughs> apparently you attract us. Because like I said, I have not really found that many INTJs in my life, if any. Because I haven't obviously tested every single person I've ever met. Um,
0: but I find a lot of personality traits, but again, I, f- I keep people that I find interesting that I can't read off the bat.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: I need to be kept on my toes. And maybe that's also a toxic trait of mine. I feel like I could have, I-, I possibly could have thrown a li- away a lot of good relationships because I just don't feel on my toes or. I guess the other shitty thing is I've, I feel like I've already judged where the relationship would end anyways, but I don't really regret any of the relationships that I have as an adult, so. <laughs> That's a good thing. I think so. I, I mean like to I think so. I mean, we'll see what happens in the next five years or so if we still have this podcast, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I don't. I don't. Future thinking is a bit hard for me right now because of all in, the things that are so up inferior, in the air. You're
0: inferior. You're, you're inferior. You're functioning. It's fine.
1: No, I actually don't even mean that. I mean that whole question of like, where do you see yourself five years in the future due to the state of (sighs) flux of everything? I'm not not. making it political. I'm just saying the state of flux of everything. Yeah, no, that's an unanswerable question for me right now, which drives me fucking bonkers because I am a thinker (laughs) and I am an INTJ and I am trying to move 15 steps in the future. And I like, one of the most soul crushing moments of my entire life Mm -hmm. was I had my life planned out, um, from the time that I was like 15 through the age of 24, 25, which is right around right now, I've just turned 26. So we're pretty close to what I had as the end of planning. And um, that was to go to the college that I went to, transfer into a different engineering program, and then go on to a um doctorate. And I remember being on the phone and finding out that my perfectly orchestrated plan, somebody lied in the contract. And the bridge from one school to the other was broken. And it wasn't on me. My planning, like, it was completely freaking detailed. Um, But somebody else did something. Some contract expired, some something. And that just, like, broke my entire everything. Because I had it planned way more than 15 moves in the future. I knew exactly where it was going. Yep. That's another thing about me. I don't do well. If I have a plan... (laughs) And it gets interrupted. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nope. The plan has to exist. I've also figured out that like, I'm not very good. Um, my, my plan when I was 16, I had, I had a life plan since I was nine years old. That life plan was uh, interrupted when I turned 16 and things changed. And um, I'm much happier with the life pa- pla- path, path, path that I have. <laughs> right now. Um, But I do know that that was when I discovered that I don't like living in the present. And that's also something with an INFJ, like we don't like living in the present. And we also have future plans. But if my future, if my plans get disrupted, I'm not upset with the plans being disrupted. I don't like having to live in the present enough to rebuild, to get back to what the plan was meant to be. Mm -hmm. And that's my issue because I always have a feeling that, you know, what's, what's going to happen is going to happen. And maybe the plan isn't exactly what's going to be the end result, but I've discovered that the end result is more or less not to be, you know, I don't like the word happy because I feel like the word happy is not, it's not a proper word for anything. It's, and even for a feeler, it's just, it's too emotional, but content yeah, is right. Cause I can be content with wherever I am in life. And that still is in like, even like to, to quote Hamilton, maybe for not you, but the other people that have watched Hamilton, but to be satisfied, I know I'm never going to be satisfied. I'm never going to be happy, but I can at least be content with the path I'm taking. Yeah. And that's a, that's a growth point, but I don't know. I mean, this is might be me being toxic too, but I don't really feel like not being a, having your plans messed up isn't necessarily toxic. It's just how you react to your plans being messed up, I guess.
1: Oh yeah. No. And this is another just like stereotype of my personality type kind of deal. <laughs> uh, what personality type did you say Ian was? I missed that. He is an ISTJ. ISTJ. Okay, mm-hmm. I looked up compatibility of t- different types, and according to a couple of different um, <laughs> sources, you guys are not supposed to uh, no, be compatible
0: no, at we're all. not at all. <laughs> that's why it's fucking hysterical. But the two people that I really have cared most for in my life are, are both ISTJs. I mean, that's that. I, I they're totally, intriguing. They're yeah. intriguing. But I mean, like to say that Ian and I's marriage has ever been perfect would be a lie. (laughs) But If it was perfect, you wouldn't like it. it, But that's exactly like literally exactly. Like I cannot read that man to save my life. And when I can, I hate our marriage. Like this is, it sounds really shitty, but like when I can read and predict everything that I know is going to happen between us, I don't like it. I, Uh I. And and that's mainly because he's not he's not a very emotional person unless he's upset, and in in his life that we've been together, there have been times that have been rough for both of us, but um, we've both grown enough, and we were going on this before this episode releases. We'll actually be you know together for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, we've grown enough together that we've found our own toxic traits and we can admit those to one another. But as a human being, he still keeps me guessing. He still has my interest. He's still intriguing to me. And, and that's why I think we still work together right? and we'll continue to work together is that I don't feel the need to psychoanalyze him because when I do psychoanalyze him, it's no longer interesting. It's not fun no. to me. I get that. I
1: get yeah. that. No, I also understand where somebody that keeps you guessing and somebody that um, the pattern is syncopated. Yeah. I love that. But also as an INTJ, I need that constant reassurance if that person is close to me that they love and accept me because I can't understand that pattern. And so to me, that's falling into trust Right. It's like I don't quite understand your pattern, therefore I cannot predict you. Therefore, you are extremely interesting to me, but I need to know verbally that you accept me. Right. Because I cannot define that by your pattern.
0: Right. Well, that's exactly what I do love about Ian entirely too and in just the ISTJ in general is that like they say exactly and again, like this is this is quote unquote like uh, stereotypical, but like they say exactly. What they mean like there's nothing that comes out of their mouth that has a double meaning it is Mm -hmm. strictly if ian says that he loves me he loves me like there's no other point in contact or anything there's no manipulation there like there's nothing there that should be a question it's a statement and it exists and that's also why like when things are bad and it's a he's verbalizing things that are bad it means that it's bad (laughs) but (laughs) But I never and, and I never have in, in our relationship. Well, there's been a couple of times, but I've never had to question his loyalty to me. I've never had to question whether or not he cares and he wants to continue the commitment that we have together. Um, but you know, we got married really young and it's very hard uh when you're young and somebody's in the military or traveling constantly because like not even when he was he was in the military and then I was traveling fifty percent of the time for my job. Um that you really get to get to know somebody. And and I don't think that he was prepared to be home alone mm-hmm. either. So there was a really rough patch there where it was, he kind of got the other side of having a spouse that isn't there for you. Um, yeah. And having to have that intrinsic trust for somebody. And that was hard to get past too. But um, no, I've, I've never, I think that's why it's always worked for us is because even if I can't read him and I don't want to, like, I don't want to expend that energy too. Um, I know that when he says what he says, he means it. There's, right. there's never a question in my mind. And that's what I really do love about the ISTJs in my life or that have been in my life is that I don't have to question where I stand. I know where I stand without having to read your mind or extend, expend the energy.
1: Yeah. No, I, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, as a thinker, I have to ask this question because I don't know how to ask it. Is it how you feel? Question: right. How do you think that your personality type affects the way you show love?
0: I show love, however, the person that needs love needs love.
1: Okay. So I, you analyze how they need to receive it and show it right. that way. Okay.
0: Yeah, but I don't know, even to this day, how I truly receive love. Does that make sense? Kind of. Elaborate. So it's a, I feel the need, like, I feel happy when other people are happy. Mm Mm-hmm. But, and, and, like, I love to be a giver. Right. But when I'm needing to be the selfish person, when I'm needing to have that, it's okay that you want x thing or it's okay that you need x thing from me right now i don't know even still like how that works for me does that make sense so like yeah. i show love however the person that wants love gets love mm-hmm. but when it comes to if i love you like and this is really backwards like. You can love me and I'll show you how you need to be loved. Right. If I love you, I have to trust you enough with who I am as like an innermost human Mm -hmm. to show you how I need to be loved. And I still like, no offense to Ian, like I still just don't know what that is for me. Right. Cause I don't, I'm not, and I I don't know, like I'm not, I'm just never going to go that deep.
1: Okay. I understand. I understand what you're saying. I think. About- <laughs> I'm working on it. New pattern. Analyzing. Give me a minute. <laughs> no. What are you going to say?
0: Yeah. I, I was going to ask that. Uh, Cause like, I mean, that's, that's, that's my most logical way of putting it.
1: No. And I, I greatly appreciate that. I really do. I greatly appreciate that.
0: How do you, f- how do you feel love for a thinker?
1: Like how do I feel receiving wise or Neither. how do I feel like sho- showing wise? either um showing wise like how I show that I care for a person I'm I know I'm not putting this in your words but I am doing my absolute best to meet you on the feeler thinker um is if I see a way that your life can be made better and a need can be met I will meet that need
0: so like in a in a love language way are you more of an acts of service person or is it just uh if you if you know that somebody ha- needs to have an emotional filler, you can figure out how to m- not not mask, but make that emotional filler. Or if like somebody needs to have like a household chore done because they're needing something done, you can do that. Or like if you feel like they need a picker upper and you give them a gift, like, is that what you're saying? Or is it a, um, you want to enhance the life of. I think it's more that
1: one. Enhance your life kind of thing. Um, I saw a, like, a comic that kind of explained this really well. Um, it's an INTJ and his girlfriend. And the girlfriend says um, she's laying in bed. Her alarm clock is going off. And she goes, oh my gosh, I wish I had just five more minutes. Mm-hmm. So the INTJ hears this and then the next day he comes to her and he's like, happy Valentine's day. I rerouted your drive to work. You will save exactly seven minutes. I gave you five minutes. I love that. And that's literally <laughs> me. I'm like, if I see that somebody needs something where it's like, they just kind of casually mention this off the bat, I'm like, here's, your, yeah, there's your five minutes. All right. I did it. I reroute Happy Valentine's day. And so it's not this super emotional thing, but I have also found in past relationships that like once somebody has needs met on that level and they have that person that can read and expect their behavior patterns on that level, it's intoxicating. Oh. Because we will memorize you because that's how much time we spend analyzing you.
0: Yeah, no, that's why I also love Ian is because there are things like I don't even, and like I feel like a, a shitty human because there are things that he just like, patterns of behaviors and things that he just like knows about me because he recognizes the patterns of my behavior that I'm just like, what? (laughs) like
1: Yeah. And once you're expected and you're memorized on that level, like it's truly knowing and understanding the person and then meeting that need for them. Right. And so it's, it's not an emotional thing at all, but it's, I think again, think, not feel, I think that's a really high compliment and that's a wonderful way to show love to someone because you're putting them on this, like you're putting them in its place of, I spent all this time figuring out who you are, here's who you are and here's how I can make who you are better.
0: Yeah. No, and I, I agree. Like, I, I think that it, that puts my answer to fucking shame because, yeah, like, that's... No,
1: I wasn't trying to put your answer to shame. This is my no, analytical...
0: I, I know you weren't, but, like, as a as a feeler, like, and, and I can. Like, that is also why, like, I didn't even think about that, but, like, that's also why I've loved the ISTJs in my life is, like, that is exactly what has happened, and that's also why, like, the INTJ in my life didn't work out is because I do understand that, like, there was that ability but there wasn't the desire to right and that's why it's a it's a rare thing
1: because we are not going to expend that much energy on very many people yep and so if you are the chosen one of <laughs> T J, it's crazy awesome yep. but we're also that light switch effect and we're also real introverted and sitting in the corner and so it's like this very rare thing but yeah I oh, That's my, that's my explanation of that. And as far as the feeling in return, um, I wouldn't even know how to begin. I don't know. Okay. No idea. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to make they, you any
0: more uncomfortable. It's no, okay. I'm
1: not uncomfortable. I'm legitimately trying to figure it out. That's the weird part. This doesn't make me uncomfortable. Um, what I was sitting here thinking was there are very few people in my lifetime that I was able to say, I know without a doubt that you love me in a way that I trust you to love me. Yeah, I get that. Very few. And so I it's hard for me to answer that question because my sample size is too small. That's fair. That's so, fair. Anyway, last little thing that I thought was kind of cute was I found a list of the MVTI types as guilty pleasures. Oh, yes. So we're going to go through a few of them just because, you know, we can talk about people that we know and see if it makes sense. It makes any sense. So I'll start with yours as the INFJ. F. I was like, brain, <laughs> all these letters, alphabet soup. Holy crap. The processor had to take a minute. Okay. <laughs> I N F J. Bubble baths.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> no, not even. Not even. Yes. And that's not even a guilty pleasure. That is just a pleasure. Thank you. I didn't make the list.
1: So, yeah. Okay. I and TJ's are reality TV. I feel that. Honestly, that, like, they're coming for my soul right there because (laughs) I definitely watch reality TV in the bathtub with bubbles and a glass of wine and or whiskey. Um, Because, again, I'm fascinated. Aren't you a bachelor person? Yes. I love Bachelor. I love Bachelor in Paradise. I love Bachelor because there's all these like idiotic and moronic people. And I just get to sit there and not have to react in any kind of like expected way. And I judge the fuck out of all of them. And it all, yes. Yes. I love it. I, I, I will sit there and scream at Bachelor the way most guys scream at football games. I love that.
0: i I genuinely love that
1: with with my glass of wine in one hand and like knife handing at the tv with the other hand just like fucking screaming (laughs) okay uh ian is an isfj right istj istj okay he's like me but with the s okay istj cheesy christmas movies
0: yes uh, (laughs) that hit a nerve but yes (laughs) I can see it, your vein is popping out of your forehead. It's (laughs) bad. It's bad. Yeah. (laughs) Next one. That's so
1: funny. (laughs) That's so funny. Okay. Um, my mom is an INTP. Documentaries on weird shit. Yep. I
0: feel like most INTPs that I know about from like other podcasts and stuff are all those true crime people. Yeah. So I get behind that. I get behind that.
1: my mom is constantly researching really weird, off the wall stuff. The documentary part, I don't know, because she always complains that people talk too slow, so she wants to read it, not watch it. Yeah, but oh, other than that, like the researching weird shit and all that, yeah, absolutely. I um, that. let's see. My dad is an is. Oh, he's the same as Ian. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't make that connection at all. The cheesy Christmas movies, which. He will sit every night of the week and watch Hallmark movies on repeat. So, not wrong. So, yeah, not wrong at all. It's that um, emotional
0: feel- filler. <laughs> they have to have the emotional filler.
1: You, y'all can't see it, but my eye is twitching. <laughs> What's an ENFJ? Sunburns? A good sort of pain.
0: I feel like that's slightly masochistic, which makes sense for my brother. So I'm just going to go yes. <laughs>
1: I kind of I get it. Where you're just like, oh, that hurts. Mm. <laughs>
0: Mm. Mm. it's so spicy (laughs) why
1: so spicy (laughs) you love it okay um let's see we'll do a couple more of these isfj uh
0: despicable me honestly if that's not my mother-in-law then i quit (laughs) because she is addicted (laughs) to despicable me so that's so funny funny.
1: okay um for like i said the intj's enfp is supposed to be like number one in compatibility and their guilty pleasure is apparently shrek sure
0: i don't know i can't stand shrek but okay you don't Um, like shrek oh my uncle loves shrek and honestly like now that i'm thinking about it I think that he could possibly be an ENFP. So, All right, might um, not be wrong. I I, I
1: have no. I, mm, okay. <laughs> All right. Um. Okay. Let's see. Uh. Oh, the friend of mine that just got the dog. Um. He is an ISFP.
0: Mm-hmm. So we'll
1: do that one since you know. Uh. And his is drinking out of fancy glasses, which. Oh, yes that's i feel like that's everybody i mean yeah but also (laughs) i'm interpreting that as like very basic with most stuff and then you'll find this really amazing pleasure in something totally small and out of place fancy which is definitely him
0: well that's also my mom
1: so that's why i also feel like
0: (laughs) because she's an intj but like i literally for christmas got her a waterford glass that is I uh, got
1: a coffee cup for Christmas that I went bonkers over. So there you go. See, but then again, I have a thing with coffee cups. You do. I do. do. <clears throat> so anyway, that's our, <laughs> that's our little closure is the guilty pleasures. We can put this on the Instagram so that no types are left out. Um, so yeah, let us, let us know um, what's your M- MBTI type. Um, we will post the link for, uh, 16personalities.com, which is my personal favorite version of the test. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's real simple, easy, and their explanations are awesome. You can look up, uh, different fictional characters that have your same personality type, uh, different stereotypic things. And then of course, if you want to go full, what I like to do is research on Pinterest and find different things. Um, little funny moment about that is INTJ is the only personality type that comes with a warning label. Which is true. Yeah, we actually come with a warning. That's why when Lauren talks about dating one of us, <laughs> it's a thing.
0: It's a thing. Y'all are crazy.
1: No, I I admitted that early.
0: Well, y'all aren't crazy, y'all drive people crazy, which is probably I more also valid. drive crazy. You also do drive crazy. Fast. Fast fast, safe, fast and safe, but crazy.
1: Yeah. So anyway, um, hope you enjoyed this installment of Mind Over Millennial and we would love to hear from you and learn more about your Myers-Briggs type. If you have any questions about it, this is definitely a guilty pleasure research topic for both Lauren and I. So let us know because we are more than happy to do a part two and talk about Mm -hmm. more about other types of personalities. We did our own because
0: of course, we're selfish.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have 26 year degrees in both of us. So me, okay. um, valid. Yeah. So anyway, we love you guys so much. Look us up on Instagram at mind over millennial podcast and hit us up on Gmail mind over podcast at gmail.com. If you have questions, requests, complaints, just want to say hi. We, we love that. Um, and we will see you guys on the next one. Bye guys.
0: Mind Over Millennial Music by Zach Gera and Gabriel Ramos. We are funded mainly by ourselves, but we're not too proud to ask for support. Feel free to drop us a line to learn how you can keep learning from our mistakes. And Google Sources, of course. <laughs>